This week, Reverend Wendy continues her series, Fearlessness in Difficult Times. Reverend Wendy explores meeting laziness on the path of awakening. In this compelling talk, Reverend Wendy takes an authentic look at the things that we allow to get in the way of our spiritual development. All righty, so let me ask you this. Did you know what the title of the talk was today? Yes, no, quiet. Boy, that sounds really tentative. <laughs> I'm asking because for summertime, it's a pretty nice turnout with all of you guys here. And the title of the talk is Meeting Laziness on the Path. <laughs> and I don't know that that's the best title to kind of woo people to come in, but um, we've been exploring together some teachings and ideas um, built in part on the work of Pema Chodron. She is an American Tibetan um, Buddhist nun, uh, and some of the work in her book, The Places That Scare You. And we're going to be exploring today this idea that one of the things we need to look at, understand, and ideally overcome is laziness on the path. The path is our path to spiritual growth and to awakening, and laziness is something that gets in our way. And what's interesting to me is that this idea of laziness on the path was an idea that Siddhartha Gautama Buddha taught. So it's not a new concept, it's a very old concept, this idea that there are certain kinds of laziness that get in the way of our spiritual growth, our spiritual maturity, and our awakening. And as I was thinking about the message today, I was also remembering that there are things in our very own Christian teaching and background that though the same words are not, the exact same words are not used, they still also point to this idea of certain states of activity or inactivity or certain mental attitudes are blockages that impede our spiritual growth and could fall under the banner of laziness. And I'll be weaving these into the message as well. I want to begin with a quote that I found from Chogam Trungpa Rinpoche. And it just made me laugh out loud when I read this, and hopefully it will do the same for you. He wrote, in the garden of gentle sanity, may you be bombarded by coconuts of wakefulness. <laughs> Can you get an image of that? In the garden of peaceful sanity, may you be bombarded by coconuts of wakefulness. And so I hope to share with you through the teachings of the Buddha and some through Jesus and through the Apostle Paul, coconuts that will help to awaken you. So the Buddha described three kinds of laziness. He identified them as these, indolence, inferiority, and attachment to non-virtuous action. Let me repeat those. Indolence, inferiority, and attachment to non-virtuous action. So that first one, indolence, is pretty easy to understand. The very word indolence means avoidance of activity or exertion. So yeah, that, that makes sense, right? That, that absolutely is a kind of laziness. We just don't feel like doing it, and so we don't. 
Akin to it is also the activity or inactivity of procrastination. We simply don't put forth the effort even though we know that the thing we are procrastinating around, the thing that we're not exerting any effort toward is the very thing that we ought to be doing for our own growth and development. Can you think of anything in your own life that would fall under that category that you really know if you did more of this one thing, your life would be so much better, but you are not doing that one thing, right? Can everybody think of at least something? I'm sure, I'm sure you can. You know, I'll start my meditation practice when is right. But oh, my pillow feels so good this morning. I think I'll just imagine that I'm meditating and I'll sleep in another 20 minutes instead of meditating for 20. Or, well, you know, I've had a really stressful day today and I know that it would be great to do my yoga practice at the end of the day and just kind of release the tension spiritually and physically in my body, but maybe I'll just have a glass of wine instead. <laughs> Or, you know, I really know the value of being grateful and, and I will get started on that gratitude journal. I promise myself I will, but that new series is starting and I really want to watch it. Why are you laughing? Can you relate at all? Can you relate? That would be examples, just common, simple kinds of examples, right, to the laziness of indolence, of procrastinating or just not putting forth the effort to do the kinds of things that can add so much to the deep quality of life and living. Pema Chodron actually words this um, kind of laziness a little bit differently than the Buddha. The Buddha called it indolence. She calls it or refers to it as comfort orientation. Say that with me, comfort orientation. I think that's a very interesting way of looking at it too. Comfort orientation. And she says that there are two levels to comfort orientation. The obvious one it, that we all know and can relate to of I just would rather not work so hard, or I just don't feel like doing anything at all today, so I'm just not going to. That kind of comfort orientation, laziness, um, energy. But get this, she writes about a deeper, more subtle level of this comfort orientation. And she says, this deeper, more subtle level of comfort orientation is based on our tendency to avoid any inconvenience. Think about that for a moment. That was, that was meaningful to me when I read that in, in, in the book. I'd never, I'd never been introduced to that kind of idea. A deeper, more subtle level to this comfort orientation is based on our tendency to avoid inconvenience. And she gives a couple of examples. I'll, I'll share them in just a second. And then she also suggests what happens when we stay in that kind of way of being, where we're trying to orient our entire life always around comfort. Here's the example she gives, and it's very timely considering our weather the last couple of days. She says, at the first hint of heat, we turn on the air conditioner. At the first thread of cold, we turn up the heat. In this way, we lose touch with the texture of life. So I was cleaning my house for a big gathering that I'm hosting at my home tomorrow. 
I'm hosting all of the area New Thought ministers in my home for wine and cheese and getting to know each other and looking at how we can be bolder together in New Thought. And I was working on this lesson, trying to experience the texture <laughs> of the heat in my house. And tremendously grateful that when I had had enough of the texture of the heat of my house, I could punch a button and say, heat, go away. Give me some coal right now. <laughs> however, however, the point that she's making, I think, is a really important point. And that is that there are always changing situations in life. There are always things that, that will arise that are not to our preference or our liking. Whether it's weather or things breaking down, there's always the potential for something. And if we are addicted to creating, to orienting our life only toward that which is comfortable, then we begin to build up this energy and this frustration and this mindset and this attitude whenever there is an inconvenience. And what she is suggesting, and I think is a very valuable point, is that all of these things ought to be and can be an opportunity to practice spiritually, to practice the way we are going to be in relationship with those things that are inconvenient. And so while we may go punch that button for the air conditioner, what if before we punch that button for the air conditioner, we said, I'm going to choose not to be lazy right now. I'm going to choose for just a few moments to try to practice equanimity, to try to practice being in a state of poise and centeredness and peace, and then I will turn on the air conditioner. The point is all, everything that arises in our life, whether it is to our choosing or our preference, really is, really does provide us the opportunity to practice and to learn and to grow. So the other point she makes about the um, comfort orientation as being an aspect of laziness is that when we are so comfort oriented, that can very quickly and easily turn into aggression when things aren't the way that we want them to be. So the point is, pay attention when you notice that arising in you. The second kind of laziness that keeps us um, from moving forward more easily and more consistently in our spiritual growth and uh, development is a laziness of inferiority. And this was a somewhat new idea to me, not inferiority being a new idea, but the idea of inferiority can sometimes be a laziness quality. And what is meant by that is the laziness of inferiority is when we doubt or underestimate our own inner spiritual strength and capability. And oftentimes we do this when we compare ourselves to what appears to be somebody else's progress on the spiritual path. We might be in a meditation experience, a meditation class, learning how to meditate better or learning how to pray. And then when there is a little bit of group sharing and others share about the amazing internal experience that they had in meditation, and we're sitting there thinking, 
that's not mine. I can't get the monkey mind to stop jumping all over the place. What's wrong with me? And we go into that place of, of shaming and comparing and into that place of feeling less than or inferior. And where that becomes problematic is when we feel inferior, when we doubt that we too can grow and evolve spiritually, then we wind up giving up. And how can there be any forward movement? How can there be any growth if we give up, right? If we give up. Pema suggests that this is also about tied to the feelings of unworthiness because sometimes we don't feel worthy of a life working better, of love in our life, of joy in our life, of peace in our life. And that can be another way that we slip into this attitude or this energy of the laziness of inferiority. We feel like, well, I've always been this way. It's just never going to change for me. And it becomes an excuse, a lazy excuse, not to put forth the effort that we need to put forth. Do you remember what the third kind of laziness is? That's okay, I'll tell you. The third kind. The Buddha called it attachment to non-virtuous action. Let's say that together. Attachment to non-virtuous action. What do you think that might be? Video games. That could absolutely fall into that category. We can fill our lives with so much stuff. We can be so busy but the real probing spiritual question ought to be, busy about what? We all have the same 24 hours a day. That's a very equalizing, sobering reality and truth, right? We are not all investing those same 24 hours a day in the same way or toward the same kinds of things. Many Buddhist teachers referred to the, the preoccupation with worldly things. Now certainly there are levels of responsibility that we all have. We're not talking about that. But we are talking about all the other things that we fit into a day and then at the end of the day say, or at the beginning of the day say, I just don't have time for my spiritual practice. And that is the laziness of attachment to non-virtuous action. To override that, we must be willing to look more honestly and clearly at it, in what ways and toward what activities are we pouring ourselves in and what needs to go so that we can say yes to those things that grow us spiritually. We live in a world that still seems to consistently suggest that we are physical and mental beings. And sometimes maybe some emphasis on emotional. But for the most part, most of the messaging that we get in our culture is around our physicality and our mentalness, our, our minds. We are physical beings. We are mental beings. We are emotional beings. But first and foremost, First and foremost, we are spiritual beings. And the truth of the matter is that if we neglect that in ourselves, then everything else is going to be on, at best, shaky ground. And so rather than our prayer life, our meditation life, our forgiveness work, our gratitude work, our mindfulness work being the thing we do if and when we can fit it in, 
It becomes a thing we do no matter what because we know that that is what builds a solid foundation for everything else in our lives. Jesus talked about this when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. First of all, he wasn't talking about stuff. And seeking first the kingdom of God is not an external religious thing. It's not an anthropomorphic being in the sky that you're trying to worship. To seek first the kingdom of God is to seek the kingdom of consciousness, to develop oneself consciously, to grow oneself spiritually. And to seek that first means it is not an afterthought in the way that we plan and live our days. It is a first thought. And the rewards for making it a first thought over time are enormous rewards. Enormous rewards. So why do we not do the things that we know are beneficial? I think we can relate to this passage from Paul that I want to share with you. It is in his writing to the letter, it's in his letter to the Romans. And Please don't check out because there are some words in here that we don't normally use in this room. They're not four-letter words, but we react to them like they are. <laughs> he writes, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. Can you relate to that? But instead, what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know, that was the bad word, <laughs> in case you have energy on that. <clears throat> For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Paul was wrong there. We are inherently good. Sorry, Paul, you're wrong. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. I think he needed some drugs or some therapy or some real help. <laughs> Can you relate to what he's saying though? Well, first of all, I wish sometimes that we had sin in unity. I wish that I could say, it's not, I didn't do it. It was sin in me that did it. The devil made me. It would be such a nice excuse. I wish that we had hell as a place and heaven as a reward. It would make some parts of my job as a minister a whole lot easier. But hell is not a place, and heaven is not a place. We know that these are states of consciousness. And while we can laugh and say, yeah, you can manipulate people out of fear with hell and reward them with, with the joy of a place called heaven, that kind of, of um, way of getting someone to grow or to change or evolve will never result in a lasting, true, permanent growth and change. We grow, we grow when we realize that the way that we are living is no longer satisfactory to us. 
We grow when we recognize that there is something in us, in our soul, in our heart of hearts, that longs for a different kind of experience of life. And then when we are willing to do something about it, when we are willing to do something about it. And this is why I think the Buddha identified for his followers and, and for us. This is why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. That we must understand that our spiritual practice needs to become, a become and remain a priority. That our spiritual practice should not be something that we just do when all hell is broken loose in our life and nothing else is working and the doctor says, I can't help you, you better pray. It shouldn't be then that we only turn to these practices. It should be the very way that we orient our lives. And looking at the qualities of laziness on the path and asking ourselves, what, what quality here am I, am I subjecting myself to or what excuse am I using here? identifying it, not judging ourselves for it, but identifying it, and then making a different choice. Pema says that it is not helpful at all to attack ourselves and hope that we're going to grow and change. So we don't attack ourselves when we find that, oh my gosh, I am suffering from the laziness of indolence, or I'm suffering from the laziness of inferiority, or I'm suffering from the laziness of attachment to non-virtuous action. We don't attack ourselves or blame or shame ourselves, we identify, we name it, and then we make a different choice. We don't indulge, we don't use the strategy of indulging saying, oh, well, it's just the way I've always been and at this point in my life, I just, I'm, I just can't change. That too is an excuse. And nor do we use the strategy of ignoring, of putting our heads in the sand, of going like, oh, well, if I don't look too closely, maybe my life isn't that bad and it's not that empty and I'm not that miserable. No, we look closely and we feel the full texture of all aspects of our life. And we use the full texture of all aspects of our lives to help us stay awake, to help us grow. Not only, not only, for what that does in us and the people closest to us, but for the rippling out effect it can have in our world. Namaste. Thanks for listening. Sunday services at 9 and 11 a.m. Inclusivity. It's worth the drive. Subscribe to our podcasts and download our free app for instant access to a wealth of spiritual teachings, services, and events.